Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the DNA Airwaves podcast. Um, as usual, I am your host, Anthony, and I am joined by an amazing guest today, Mr. Shez Mehra. Uh, glad to have you with us, man. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Anthony. And I said us because I usually have my co-host. I'm not a weird guy. That just uh, it's just one of me. Glad to have you with me. And I guess us would be the listeners. Yeah. Um, I know we have a limited time today and a lot to cut to kind of cut through and get into. So um, yeah, I guess we could start off. You are. I guess tell us kind of about Song Trader, um, your role, and kind of how it came to be. If you want to just give us sort of like the origin story on that, um, and we'll kind of shoot from there. Yeah, sure. So I can give you a little bit of background on myself, yes. um, how and why I ended up at Song Trader, and what it is we're actually doing here. Um, so I came to Canada at 10 years old as a landed immigrant, okay. and I found it really difficult to sort of fit in with the other kids. And I ended up falling to this rabbit hole off vinyl and uh. Uh, turntablism and DJing. So for me, it all began with hearing a record on the radio with scratching in it being enamored nice. by that sound, and then going out there and hoarding records. I was buying up collections. I was nice. going through dollar bins. I was just trying to amass as much vinyl as I could. Yeah. All genres, all eras, um, you know, nothing, no stone was left unturned. Nice. <laughs> and um, that passion for, for vinyl and music eventually led to me treating myself to a pair of turntables on my 15th birthday. Uh, nice. And that kind of changed the trajectory of my life. So wow. um, this passion and hobby for DJing, um, it actually turned into a full-time career, paid my way through university where I did my uh, Bachelor of Commerce and Economics and Marketing. The whole time I was there, I just wanted to play music mm, and you know okay. mix my records. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was throwing a lot of events, doing a lot of things to kind of cut my teeth and give myself a forum yeah. um, to you know play this music. Um, so after Guelph, after I graduated, the notion was that I would, you know, go on to do my MBA and I was in a co-op program at Scotiabank here in Toronto. Okay. Uh, I quit all of that cold turkey and decided to focus on my passion, mixing records. Um, that worked out quite well for me. I started traveling uh, across the country, playing nice. all kinds of events from nightclubs to corporate events, you know, film festivals, charity galas, the whole gauntlet. Yeah. And then it started taking me stateside and then around the world. And so from about 18 to 25, I ended up traveling the world about 12 times over Hong Kong, Dubai, Belgium, you know, Spain, all these markets, um, playing music and controlling the vibe in all of these different settings. And that really is what exposed me to the true power uh, and influence that music has over people, regardless of their cultural differences, their religious differences, their linguistic differences, all of that, like music truly was this universal language that we always hear about. Yes. I got to experience that firsthand. Um, so long story short, you know, doing that full time, DJing all over the world, sort of harnessing the power of sound and music to influence human beings, right? Make their day better, make that little window of time that they might be in that room a little bit better, helping them forget about their their worries and their anxieties and their fears. Yep. And um, then I started working with a lot of agencies um, that were agencies of record on behalf of big brands. And we started to basically, I started an entertainment company whereby we were the talent that was always being brought in for these brand activations, these corporate events. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, I saw that 
you know, music was always an afterthought. They all spoke about branded experiences and multisensorial marketing. Yeah. It was largely marketing speak. Um, they they just left sound till the very end. Right. After the PNL had been eaten up, after the budgets were eaten up, you know, they did everything else, and then they were worrying about sound and music. It's a fact. Yep. And so I started pushing back and uh, challenging that you know that rhetoric and basically going against the grain and competing with what those people that were hiring us to just provide music and entertainment, we started actually producing those entire events top down. And that's when I started really going to brands. This is about 2009. And I was saying, do you know what your brand sounds like? Have you truly thought about it? Um, You know, through the line, across the fold, not only your commercials on TV and radio and your digital content, but everything down to your hold music. When someone calls you, Mm -hmm. everything down to your product and app notification sounds, um, obviously your events, your activations, yes. yep. like every point of which your brand is speaking to consumers or prospective consumers. True. Have you thought about the congruency in what you are actually saying, all of these noises you're emitting? Mm-hmm. Because you're doing it, whether you're thinking about it or not, and you have really stringent guidelines on your visual and verbal identity, yeah. you have no guidance on your sonic identity. So that was the the question that really sparked things for me in about 2009, 2010, started working with different brands in that capacity. And, uh, you know, fast forward 13 years later, a lot has happened, a lot has changed. Uh, And today I am at SongTrader as a VP of growth for Music Solutions. Um, And we're doing some really interesting things within the context of brands and music. Um, And, you know, SongTrader started as a music licensing marketplace really the founder and CEO uh, musician himself was frustrated Mm. by the lack of tools and infrastructure that existed for artists to easily be able to monetize and sync their music for commercials, spots, advertising. Um, And it was through that frustration that he started building SongTrader. And a lot has happened over the last 10 years with SongTrader. But today... We actually have acquired 11 different companies. I believe it's 11 now. And our thesis is that there's a lane that exists, um, or sorry, rather, there's a lane that doesn't exist in the world of music and brands. And what we've been doing is building tools and infrastructure and solutions for both sides of the ecosystem. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you own a house, right, right, Mm -hmm. or an apartment, and you want to either sell it or rent it out, mm-hmm. you're gonna to wanna to work with a brokerage that is gonna get you the max exposure yes. on your listing, you know, the highest transaction price, yep. um, and, and, and kind of navigate that. On our side, what we're building for the supply side of the market, yep. so these people might not own real estate, but they own IP, right? They are right. musicians, yes. they are creators, yes. they are labels, they own IP, yep. and we are helping them with tools to monetize that IP and monetize their music rights. Uh, and you know whether they're selling it or renting it out, that's where we come in on the supply side of the market with the creators, gotcha. the labels, okay. the content owners. Then there's the demand side. It's like who is going and renting that Airbnb? Right. Who wants to buy that house? Yeah. On that side of the equation are all the brands and agencies, right? They, they're the demand side. They're the people that want to use what these creators have to offer. Right. And we have a whole suite of solutions and technology that we're building for that side too. So we're really sitting in the middle of this very interesting marketplace yeah. of creators and content owners and musicians and rights owners and 
people that want to use that yeah. likeness, yeah. that music yep. in commercials and advertising and various things. So, um, so that's, you know, the gist of what we're doing within Song Trader. Um, and you know, we can get granular, but high level, that's kind of what we're Yeah. Yeah. Geez. You left me with a lot to unpack here, man. That's, uh, that's some good information and a perfect introduction. It's, you know, it sounds like quite a amazing transition from taking your love for music, DJing the vinyl, traveling the world, getting these experiences. And then what you started to do or what you realized, I guess, with the branding, and the lack of, I guess, consistency across all pieces, how you mentioned that um, these corporations and companies were having events and thinking of the music last, and then probably never considering how music ties into the other aspects of their marketing. And I, right. I'm pretty sure even now with uh, the growth and the emergence of social media and that side of things, people probably understand in theory that it's good to throw some music behind your videos and all that little, you know, the stuff that people are doing sort of uh, following the trend. But for you to see that, because what year was that you said? That was... This is 2009. So you were way ahead of the game is what I'm sort of gathering on <laughs> that as far as what we see now. I mean, 13, 14 years, big difference. Yeah. A lot's changed. Um, but what kind of... What, what was it that... Uh, kind of showed you like how did you come across or come about um realizing that this was a gap that was missing and actually a need that companies needed to have sort of fulfilled to hmm. put this all together yeah yeah great question so you know i had gone through my own experiences as a dj right and again um you know i never expected to fall into the marketing branding communications advertising realm uh, in the traditional sense, I hadn't cut my teeth at agencies. I hadn't climbed the typical bureaucracy of Adlan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my perspective was really that of an outsider. Okay. And I was knocking down the door in Adlan with all of these agencies, brands, and holding companies saying, listen, like, you all need to really think about how you sound. This mm -hmm. is very important. And it's often working at a subconscious level. Meaning yeah. you're not really thinking about it and people aren't really thinking about it, but it's affecting them yeah. because hearing is our most visceral sense, right? It's the very first sense that we develop in the womb before yeah. we even see. So as humanity, we have a profound, really deep relationship with, with sound. True. Going yeah. back to thousands of years, yeah. millions of years even yep. with cavemen and cavewomen, you know, sitting around a fire, um, by the time they... They see danger, it's too late, there's someone's right, dinner, yeah. but they can hear danger, yeah. fight or flight, they can do something about it, right? Yeah. Or, um, you know, historians say that when cave people started communicating and forming languages, mm -hmm. it was done through music and melody. And that's because music is emotional and emotions are where memories are encoded and formed. Right, yeah. And that's why we still teach our kids the ABC is not by reading them, but by that's singing song, them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like Twinkle Star, yeah. Baba Black Sheep and ABCs are they're the same song. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the verbiage might change, but like the melody is the exact notation is the same. Yeah. So leading into all of this, I was just going to the brands and saying, look, like this is actually nothing new that I'm saying. It's just as an industry, for some reason, you are overlooking something 
that other industries like Hollywood really understand. Like, right. you know, look at Jaws or James James Bond True, yeah. or Iconic. Disney films. Yep. They they treat their audio and visual creative as 50-50 equals. That's true. Whereby yeah. advertising was treating it as like 90-10 at best. So I yeah. was really just saying, look, there is a really big opportunity here and it's nothing new. This is leaning into human truths yeah, true. that are as old as time, right? right? right. Yeah, yeah. And, and bringing them up to speed. And also the nature by which we consume information today is very different than when the advertising industry in the traditional sense was really founded. Talking about right. you know, back in the day with David Ogilvy and, and all these JWT kind of forming. Yeah. Back then in the 50s, 60s, think about it. People would sit around a television set right. as a family yeah. And, and like in a binary way, consume that information, right? right. JFK would be speaking, yes. you'd all be watching, they'd go to commercials and then like the Wheaties jingle or the Coke right. commercial or whatever would come on. Yeah. And that's how you consume the information. Today, Very true. not only are we watching TV, we're on Twitter, we're on IG, all there's LinkedIn, the there's like yeah. such a fragmented <laughs> in, you know ecosystem of how we consume information. It's not binary by any means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... What used to work back then and their approach and treatment to jingles or music back then yep. doesn't apply today. It's changed, yeah. And today it's like if you're going to spend millions of dollars in strategy and creative and production and a media buy to air a TV spot, right. but everyone's eyes are on their phone when it airs, mm. like how do you peel yeah. people's eyes off their second screen and divert them to the one that you've planned for, invested in, yeah. and bought airtime for right sure. so those are the questions that i started really asking mm. these brands their advertising agencies their marketing communication agencies of record yeah um and that's really how it began it just it seemed so obvious to me especially having gone through what i had gone through as a dj right yeah um because you know all these brands want to form emotional connections with human beings that's it so that they're top of mind and they can cut through to their heart and mind and ideally get them to part ways with their dollars yes. <laughs> and um you know what i was doing as a dj was not very different i was literally puppeteering the energy in these rooms in these spaces right. to influence human psychology physiology physical behavior right and you know i thought hmm why aren't brands thinking about using a universal truth like music and sound yeah. to puppeteer the energy off these people they want to you know connect with build affinity and salience with and all these fancy terms that marketers use yeah uh, it just was very clear in my mind so that's when i started really just saying you know what this needs to be addressed it needs to be fixed let me let me hone in on this space and, and okay. give it my best wow yeah that's amazing man that that's really cool and then like i said the transition just kind of seemed i mean in your in you telling the story the transition kind of just seems natural for you to then uh get into uh your work with song trader i have a couple questions yeah. about that um sure first when was it founded song trader uh, i believe it was founded in 2014 okay so still uh, i joined i've joined massive music which is one off song trader subsidiaries so song trader like i mentioned we bought a lot of companies right. because we have this thesis that there is a picture that should exist yes. that doesn't exist and we're gonna get all of the pieces off this picture together so we can start building it. Um, and we're well on our way, but one of the things that we acquired was a, a best-in-class creative services uh, music agency called Massive Music. Right. 
Um, so I originally joined Massive September of last year after having run my own consultancy in Toronto, have a few other music-related ventures that I had built. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a natural fit. You know, yeah. we kept Massive and I kept bumping heads. Okay. We were competitors and um, we just had a series of conversations and it just made sense to go down this path together. Um, so I joined Massive and then about three, four months into being at Massive, um, you know, I started digging a little bit deeper into our parent company being song trader Got you. And, uh, and, and working with a leadership team there um, to help sort of iterate and build and figure out our go-to-market strategy. So yeah. yeah, it's been a really, it's been a really like natural journey. Yeah. yeah it sounds um, like it. And you know, to, to many, in, in many ways, I still feel like I am DJing today, but now it's at scale. I'm not okay. stuck in a, in one booth in one city at one time. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the notion of using sound and music to, make someone's day better when they're checking into a hotel, when they're eating a meal, True. when they're grabbing a coffee, all of those instances to when, like I said, when they're using an app to send or receive money or whatever it might be. Yeah. This, this is now like an invisible hand where uh. we're controlling their sonic experience in all of these moments off their day right, yeah, when yeah. they're interacting with technology, consuming information, you know, all of these things going to an event right. and they're not necessarily thinking about these things blatantly right but we we are quite literally like guiding all of that from a sonic perspective yeah, yeah, and so it's now it's you know wow. it's djing at scale yeah, it's the yeah, same I like sentiment that. I like that but shaping shaping the narrative on, on a global level really music so is powerful yeah music is powerful universal yeah. powerful i love it i hadn't quite considered the placement aspect that's really cool oh. uh just thinking about that as like uh, specific instances of music being played like you mentioned i think like a lobby or an elevator um concert mm -hmm. like that sort of thing is really interesting to sort of if you take a take a moment to think about i mean all the different places and the applications of music throughout yeah. your day it's kind of cool that there is a I'm trying to think of a word for you but like i guess the invisible <laughs> dj at that point kind of uh, still setting the tone and the atmosphere based on where it's needed. That's uh, yeah. Even when you like, you know, when you when you go to go buy a coffee yep. or yep. or anything, and you and you you tap your card, right? Yep. If that set little bleep or bloop isn't there, true. Now there's this cognitive dissonance, and you're wondering, <laughs> did my payment go through? Or when you lock your car yeah, yeah, yeah. and you walk away, you're relying on sound and sound alone to convey oh, man. that trust. That's right? huge, yeah. And, and like you're not going back and, and checking with your eyes visually. Right. So there's all these ways in which every day, like when you start your MacBook, the sound of it starting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. like you're trusting the technology. So there's all of these subtle kind of so nuanced many, yeah. examples yep. every day yeah, yeah. that if you were to take those things away, then it would get really awkward. But when right. it's right... When it's when it's seamless, like when a DJ is killing it, you're not thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it just works. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's blatantly wrong, like if I go to a fancy Italian restaurant with my wife, yep. and they're playing death metal or country music, uh, I, I don't know what happened there. You said <laughs> with, death metal, uh, and it was like, yeah, fireworks. Right, let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, but you know what? Like my point is, if I go out to eat, yep. and I go to a specific restaurant, and the music. Is counterintuitive to that experience. All of a sudden, my food doesn't it's taste not as the good. same. Yeah, right. Or you're at a restaurant, you're having a good time, you know, and it's high volume. The place is buzzing. Yeah. Everyone's conversing, yep. 
and then there's this like six second gap between songs. Oh man! Now you can hear the next table's dead, conversation. Dead air. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, and yeah. and just like those moments are really still overlooked in many ways. It's true by these brands that are operating these spaces. Right, and so you know we're coming in across the board again. It's like not just about advertising and production and your commercial, yep. but where else are you? utilizing sound and music and audio in a meaningful way right. to ladder up to what it is you want to do as a brand or an organization, even like accessibility, inclusion, DE&I mm, yeah. companies have whole departments of this stuff. True. And you know, they're alienating people that are blind, mm, right? Wow. So if you truly want to be inclusive, right. why don't we through audio give blind people a way to wayfind your space or navigate your space? Right, where they don't have to touch Grail in a post-COVID world. No one wants to do that. So there's all kinds of different solves, which is really interesting to me because it's really, I guess, zooming out for a minute, 50,000 feet up. Like It's about trying to make the world – it sounds cheesy, but it's really about trying to make the world – better right through sound music and audio yeah. and yep. and and that's kind of the the philosophy and the narrative and the ethos yeah and there's lots of different things that can stem from that yep. overarching philosophy yeah, yeah um but yeah that's kind of the I position we take this. you know as a group yeah yeah that's deep man i know you're kind of breezing over things but you've mentioned so many gems and just different applications i'm sure people are listening like yeah i never thought of that like the car when you want to lock your car door you don't hear the sound, you're probably going to press the thing a million times and then go back to check. And, yeah. yeah, or like looking for it in a parking lot, you don't remember oh, where you parked, that's right? That's key too, yeah, you need to hear that beep. <laughs> um, okay, I know you don't have a lot of time left and we've kind of, I want to dive into the other side. I think you called it the demand sure. or the supplier side, right? So the supplier side, yeah. is, side is the artist's. Um, mm-hmm. so we do have a lot of artists that listen, tune into this podcast. We love you all artists. Keep doing your thing. Can you, um, yes. maybe give a bit of a breakdown, like who, uh, what type of artist is this for? Or, you know, just, I'm sure you'll have a better way of speaking on everyone. That, but, okay, cool. A- everyone. We, um, you know, we work with all the majors, all the different types of labels, okay. indie artists. Uh, we recently acquired Bandcamp, so that's five million oh, wow. artists and labels now. Yeah, wow. And you know, now we have all of this data yeah. to actually get those artists better looks and and more opportunities. Amazing, so man. if one of our brand clients wants to produce, you know, um, a big campaign or some kind of artist partnership in Rio de Janeiro, yeah. well, we can actually go look and say, okay, who are the artists in the region that are culturally authentic to that region? Right. Not only that. Who are the ones that are selling X amount of vinyl, merch, or music and have fandom, real fandom attached to them? Now that brand can make a better informed decision about, you know, which indie artist to partner with above or below the line Mm. for their campaign or their partnership activation. And, you know, those types of scenarios bring a lot of opportunity to artists. Um, And then, you know, in terms of placing music in commercials we do that so we work with indie artists as well as majors Um, we also supply tiktok's commercial music library with a lot of music so we're we're fairly ingrained into the ecosystem of you know content um technology and creativity and really we're living at the intersection of that but the the road is wide open for creators period you know whether you're a new musician or you're a legacy musician, it doesn't really matter. If you have heat and you have good music, like the world will reward that and it'll take off and do its own thing. And we are a facilitator 
to champion artists and champion musicians and actually champion the creative class yeah. so that they can, again, um, you know, sell or rent more houses out, right? right. Yeah, they yeah, can yeah. monetize their IP, the thing that they've built brick by brick by brick. Yeah. They have these catalogs sitting there. Why don't we take that information and, and that likeness and uh, actually try and, you know, put it out into the world? Um, sense. So, yeah. yeah. That's huge. Um, maybe I'll try and sneak two more in. I think we have enough time for that. So one, if you could maybe take what you're just explaining a little further. Say I'm a, because I mean, Toronto's a good example. We have a lot of great mm-hmm. artists, great talent around here. Some of them are names that are, you know, known. And some of them are super talented, but maybe not as common a name and maybe don't break beyond the city. What would you suggest to maybe one of those artists that's sitting there with a ton of talent, hasn't really cut through yet? Um as far as wanting to be able to get music out there in, in, in these applications. Keep, keep putting out records all the time. Don't wait for that one record that you think will be perfect. Right. It's especially in this day and age, the way we as human beings are consuming information and content and music, yep. it's very different, right? And yeah. that record that you, you poured your heart and soul into and mix and mastered like a hundred times and are just hedging all of your, you know, like betting the farm on, Yeah, it may not work. And the thing yeah. that <laughs> you just put out as a little thing that you were riffing on yeah. and you uploaded it, that might take off. Like you, you can't really know That's true. when yeah. it's going to, when it's going to take off and when it's not. Keep and so pushing. I would just say, be consistent because consistency builds trust, right? Trust is like consistency over time. Right. So for those artists that are consistent, you, you know, someone might not like all of the records you're putting out and that's okay. Right. But you're going to yeah. find your footing and you're going to attract your tribe yeah. through that consistency. And then you're going to build fandom and those people are going to be evangelists and, and sort of propel your, your other records. So, you know, do you be authentic to yourself and don't chase like one hit, mm. just keep putting out records. Um, you never know yeah. when, when, when it's going to, you know, take off and it might not. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah. You have to be comfortable with running the bases and not hitting a home run. Mm. If you're just chasing a home run, it might be the wrong approach. True. You know, but if you enjoy running the bases and you enjoy playing the game and you enjoy the journey and the craft and the musicianship and, and the creative process, right. that home run will more likely than not inevitably happen when it's meant to for you. But I think it's really about being consistent. Solid advice. Wow, that's great. I mean, tricky in this world full of social media and the social pressures to try and, um, I mean, you could easily get caught stuck in the weeds trying to create a certain image and maybe fixate on the wrong details. So that's great, man. Keep pushing, keep consistent. I think, yeah, I love it. Chasing, chasing someone else's audience to try and be like the next Mm, so-and-so. Yeah isn't going to work. You, you got to be the first you and not the second someone else, as my friend yep. Clinton Sparks always says, Love right? It. So like, focus on you and be consistent. And the people that that resonates with, yep. you know, it's better to have 50 people that really mess with your music and support you for Dude. who you naturally are, yeah. right? Then thousands of followers that will never come to a show or buy a <laughs> ticket. true. And yeah. we see that. Like <laughs> people true. run up numbers on streaming yeah. and they try and sell a show and they can't get 50 people That's to buy a, a ticket. Yeah. Right? Whereas someone on the other side might not have a lot of followers or likeness online. Yeah. But the people that they do do, they'll sell out two, 300 people. 
right? I so, so I think you yeah. got to pick and choose what you're really aspiring to do as an artist, as a creator. Are you chasing, you know, the the superficial right. kind of likes and and stardom of it all, or do you actually want to just make music that you believe in, that you hope others will believe in, and, yes. and build brick by brick from there? Oh man, yeah, nailed it. That's Big facts, big words, wise words, man. I wish we could uh, continue this. We'll definitely have to work out a part two. Um, but yeah, thank you yeah, so much anytime. for stopping by and sharing. I should, uh, a couple of things, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out where people can find Song Trader or any of your other work online as well. Um, I don't know if you have time, but if there's anything to look out for, anything new you have in, uh, coming up, please drop that here as well. Sure. Uh, I'll wrap it up really quickly. So Song Trader can be found at songtrader.com. Massive Music is massivemusic.com. And myself, Shazmara, uh, you could find me at shazmara.com, S-H-E-Z-M-E-H-R-A.com. That'll link to my LinkedIn page. Um, Hit me up on there. I'm fairly active on the platform. Always happy to have a conversation. Always happy to help if I can. So yeah, uh, thanks for having me and reach out. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. Definitely a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch. Hope to talk soon. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, Have a great week. Stay safe. Be well. Take care. Bye. Take care.